So, oh, you know, as we uh, turn to uh, the Gospel of John today, we we come to chapter sixteen. Uh, primary portion of our of what we know about the Holy Spirit about his uh, personhood about his agency really comes from the Gospel of John uh, so this is a just a, a really awesome chapter to to turn to and we we see that he is the third person of the Trinity he is the Holy Spirit uh, we have uh, heard of him through parts of John but we see that he dwells in us he seals us and he he does so much more uh it's interesting you know through the through the years uh we have from the first century till now uh the the holy spirit has been misused misunderstood and, and sadly even abandoned at times through uh the church uh you know we we need to understand who is this this person you know he is god you know, the, the Holy Spirit is actually the, the agent of inspiration, which is uh, the writing of the text of Scripture. And he is also the interpreter that it lives in us. Uh, so actually, as we read Scripture, uh, we have the ability to understand it because of his agency. If, you know, his, uh, his position, yeah. D does that make... That like a, like an insurance agent, he does this, you know, like the Holy Spirit has that. <laughs> uh, I, I remember this uh, uh, very clearly in, in college as a young, uh, a young college student. Those were the days, you know, 19 years old, uh, going to college my first year. And I remember sitting up in uh, Powell, Wyoming and picked up a Bible. It had been given to me by a high school friend of mine. It's a New Living Translation that's in my office still. It's a little yellow and has a lot of duct tape on it now. Um, but I remember flipping to, well, where do you start a book, right? Chapter one, right? Started reading Genesis, got to about chapter nine, and I had no idea what this thing was talking about. I'm like, what is going on, right? You know, and, and I you know, put it away, and several months later, I, I came to Christ. And then I, I was asking, some, well, what I, what I read first? You know, well, a lot of people, well, don't start there. That's a little hard. You know, start with John. Start with Romans. You know, and, and so I, I remember opening up the Bible uh, the second time, and I could understand it. There was, there was clarity, and it was because the, well, the, the author was inside of me. He is indwelling the believer. You know, the Holy Spirit is not some mystical force. Um, you know, you think of Star Wars and, you know, that this, this thing, you know, it gives us cool abilities to do things. But he's a person. He is, he is God. He is our guide who teaches us, who brings us to remembrance, as Jesus said several weeks. And he readies us for this. He readies us for good works that are before us for the glory of God. Now let's uh, start with a word of prayer. Oh, Father God, we, we thank you for today. Thank you for just uh, time to be with you. And thank you, Lord, that you have time for us, that you love us and that you have proven that love through our Lord Jesus Christ, that he is the able one 
whom we can believe upon and know that we are heaven bound. How whether we meet you in the air or meet you as our time comes to an end, that we are safe and secure in the arms of Jesus, no matter what happens. Lord, thank you for today. Thank you that we could come together and sing, come together and, and pray, and be about remembrance for the body that is being, the parts of the body that are being persecuted throughout the world. Lord, I just uh, lift them up in prayer. Lord, I ask that you'd be with us during this time as we open up the scripture and, and study and learn. And that you would guide us and help us uh, learn more about the Holy Spirit and know uh, his agency, what he does uh, to us and, and through us. And we thank you for that, Lord. We thank you for this time together. And in the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Well, please uh, turn in your Bibles with me to the Gospel of John, chapter 16. Seems like every time we get to a new chapter, it's like we're, we're going too fast. Uh, speed up there, Pastor. <laughs> but it's, it is always kind of a sad goodbye to the last chapter, but a, a, a hello to uh, the new as we continue uh, through, this, through this Gospel. Uh, we will read uh, verses 1 through 4. Uh, John records this. I've said all these things to you to keep you from falling away. They will put you out of the synagogues. Indeed, the hour is coming when whoever kills you will think he is offering service to God. And they who will do these things, and they will do these things, because they have not known the Father, nor me. But I have said these things to you, that when their hour comes, you may remember that I told them to you. You see, through John 15, Jesus had told his followers that he alone was a true vine. That to do anything in him, they first must abide in him. Abide in his love. That as they have been told these things, as they've been listening and learning, they are, they are now informed that you're not just a servant, you are a friend. You are a friend that has been shown the age, the, the plan through the ages. You know, you, you know what is coming. They were, they were told this, that the, the world hates their Lord. And to not be surprised when it hates them, but to be witnesses of him, of who he is and what he has done through it all. On this mission is the Holy Spirit. And now Jesus tells them why they have, why he has informed them of all of this through 15 he said this, I have said these things to keep you from falling away. You know, the, the thought or the saying that is still, you know, very much alive now uh, is if you come to God, your, your life will be all good. Right? 
you know, if you if you come to him, everything will will click into place. And you know, my my first question to that thought or feeling is Bible verse, please, right? Where in Scripture does it say that? It should be one of the things. It is it is said God wants to bless you. If I could say it more, God wants to bless you, right? You know, and it's it's. Right there. It just, it's left right there. So we, we can take that and, and make it what we want to, right? Well, God, God wants to bless me. You know, God wants to, you know, give me what I want or, you know, and, and or what I, what I feel I need. Yes, God wants to bless us, but that doesn't mean that, that life gets easy because we kiss the sun as as we talked about last week as as we honor him you know this 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 thought is exposited or or taught uh, elaborated upon uh, in the word of a faith movement in the prosperity gospel movement or even the uh, the revivalist uh, it's the third or fourth wave movement the revivalist movement all of which are, are misunderstandings or even misuses that point to this, uh, this blessing. The, the word of faith says, if I have faith, then you will be healed. It, it is, you know, right, right there, the, the misunderstanding is that it, it counts upon you, not upon the sovereignty of God. Um... The, the prosperity movement says the same thing, that if, if we give to God, then he will give back to us. And the revivalist movement as well as says that it is, it is I that does it. That is why many flock to these movements, because that, that quenching of the thirst that we have as humanity is to do something, Right? Is to is to religiously feel like we are we are saving ourselves or or making the world better when the Bible says we have all sinned and fallen short and that only this is our salvation is Christ our Lord. Now these uh, these movements in a nutshell think of God like a vending machine. Um, if I push the right buttons, I'll get this. I'll get a Coke. If I, if I push this, I'll, I'll get healing. The Bible does not support these movements, and that's why their teachers so much and so often say we have to, we have to go off the map here because they are making up things that Scripture does not support in their quest of quenching their thirst and self-made religion. Now, Christianity, and I, I feel like... It, Every Sunday lately, I've been saying this, that Christianity deals with reality as is. The world is broken. Humanity has fallen and broken. Unable to quench the problem that's overcome us. But thanks be to God, Jesus has overcome, right? Christ comes and the darkness does not like that. It, it will not receive it. But he is, he is here and he is calling to humanity. Now please turn in your Bibles with me to 1 first, first John. 1 
yeah, sorry, Gospel of John chapter 1. There. <laughs> if I can read what I wrote, we'll get there. First <laughs> John, sorry, John chapter 1. This is uh, the beginning of the Gospel of John, chapter 1 through 13. John wrote this. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men, and the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to bear witness about the light that all might believe through him. He was not the light, but came to bear witness about the light. The true light, which gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. He was in the world and the world was made through him, yet the world did not know him. He came to his own and his own people did not receive him. But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but God. Now this is not religion. Now this is not self-made religion or self-help those things will not get us out of the hole that we find ourselves in. It is this one, right, that comes, not overcome by darkness, but overcomes the darkness. It is the true light that came to give light to all. It is the word who took on flesh and dwelt among us, that if anyone believes in him, believes in his name, John says, gives him the right to be born child of God. This is how God wants to bless us. God definitely wants to bless all of humanity in this, that we have a life-changing relationship with Christ Jesus. You know, it doesn't, doesn't mean, you know, a lot of these conversations, every time we hear of them, well, oh, so you're saying God doesn't heal. I'm like, I've never, no, he heals. He heals. He, he hears our prayers I think of times in the Old Testament where he's coming down that mountain. He's coming down Mount Sinai to kill all of Israel. And Moses steps in the gap and says, remember your promises, O God. And God doesn't kill him. But then Moses goes down and, and the Levites do, you know, take a toll of what they have done. That there is always a toll on, on what sin we are attracted to. You know, we can seek to pray, seek to have God's healing in any circumstance. You know, we, we understand and know that God is sovereign. God is not a, a vendor. God is not a, a vending machine. And we are not a customer. We are a sinner in need of a great Savior. And thanks be to God, there is a Messiah who has come to dwell here. Now, Jesus wants us to know that the life he calls us to is not all roses and butterflies and bullfrogs. It'd be nice though, right? The life is 
a life of denying ourselves, of, of, of dying daily, of picking up our cross and following our Lord. But we also, in that, we understand that his yoke, unlike any other yoke out there, is easy. And his burden is light. It is the easiest burden we'll ever find. Because as I was telling the kids as we drove up, you know, we're you're getting into Christmas, you're thinking about presents, right? You know, we're, we're talking about, you know, it is more blessed to give rather than receive, right? That, you know, I mean, that was staggering how many people we fed yesterday just by, I mean, that was what, not even two hours, right, of packing? You know, I mean, we were, we were done and it was, it was fun and, and then there was spaghetti, woo, right? <laughs> you know, and, you know, it's, you know, it's light and it's not burdensome because we have the source of hope. We have a secure hope. You know, the world and its ways is, is driving everywhere for a source of life. In its rebellion to the creator, it will go anywhere else but God. And we see that as we... You know, our, our Sunday school was about false religions and demons and everything today, uh, but it was it was it was good because we we understand that you know Satan can't really create anything new. He just kind of fashions it a little differently here and there through the ages to make it look it's a it's a crisp new packaging, but it's the same garbage from the last the last liberal that was you know making it new or something. <laughs> the the last. Uh, because he, he can only manipulate things. Now, Jeremiah says this of Israel. For my people have committed two evils. They have forsaken me, the fountain of living water, and hewn out cisterns for themselves, broken cisterns that can hold no water. And again, again, we see this throughout Israel's history. You know, they did this, the world does this, the church does this. They forsake God, who is the fountain of living water. There is no other, right? There is no other vine, there is no other way. And after they did that, they hewn out their own, they dug out their own cisterns, their own wells, just for themselves. And they are broken, they cannot even hold water. You know, any other religion or self-made thing or self-help thing cannot hold up the weight of humanity's need for salvation. It goes along with this of what John, what Jesus says in John 3. And this is the judgment that the light has come into the world and the people loved the darkness rather than the light because their works were evil. As we've seen throughout the Gospel of John, we see that when the true light shines, people run. You know, the Pharisees, I, I, you know, John 8 has just always kind of stuck with me. You know, it's this whole long court case, right, of how he is not the son. You're lying. Your son wasn't even born blind. You're lying. You weren't even healed. You know, the neighbors, the Pharisees, everyone is just trying to somehow make it impossible that Jesus is who he says he is. But we stay in darkness. The world stays in darkness because our works are evil. And that's why the world is so full of self-made religions. And even sadly within the church body itself, 
And the church is to be this set-apart people filled with the spirit of truth. You know, we deal with truth. And this is where we stand in the reality of God who has revealed himself to us with love. You know, thinking of, you know, deconstructionism, as it's called, it's the, it's the rage now in our day, or, or falling away, as Jesus says it here. I feel like it can be summed up in, in three, and there can be a, a multiple of other stories as well of things, but as I've looked and learned from these things, it can be summed up in, in one, people love darkness rather than light. They, they don't really truly want to give over that thing. And second, they were not loved. That's a huge part of <clears throat> a lot of those stories is that they, they, they weren't accepted. They, they might have had their questions answered, but they were never truly you know, accepted or, or loved by the church. And then thirdly is that they weren't, they weren't dealt reality. You know, I think, I think back to that, oh, you know, you come to Christ and your life will be awesome, man. Okay, uh, Jesus is not a used car. He is the savior of the world. You don't have to sell him like a good, you know, you know like something that he's not. You know, we need to, you know, no, we are sinners saved by grace and Christ is a great savior, not a great vending machine. And then the, the third or the fourth part of that is that they did not want to deal with reality. So I guess that, that goes back to loving darkness rather than light. You know, the, the local body, the, the church as a whole must deal with that because that's, that's the, even the cultural rage right now is is deconstructing everything. Now, Jesus uh, deals uh, a blow to the live, love, and laugh theology in, in verse 2. He says this, And they will put you out of the synagogue. Indeed, the hour is coming when whomever kills you will think he is offering service to God. And it's like, this has already happened, actually. Back in John 9, Sorry, it's John 9, not John 8, the blind man. You know, we see that he was put out of the synagogue for even mentioning, well, he might be. You know, his parents didn't want to, oh, he's of age, you ask him, because of fear, right? That they were going to be taken out, cast out. And you know, the synagogue really at that time was the community hub of social events of the fellowship. It's like meta. Right? No, that's Facebook. You can't change your name, Facebook, right? <laughs> but you know, it's a it's a social hub of what is going on. You know, Jesus warns his followers that this will come. And after that hour, people will come to kill the followers of Jesus in service of God. And Paul speaks of his own mindset here in, in Acts 26. He says, I myself was convinced that I ought to do many things in opposing the name of Jesus of Nazareth. And I did so in Jerusalem, not only lock up many of the saints in prison after receiving authority from the chief priests, but when they, put, when, when they were put to death, I cast my vote against them. And I punished them often in all synagogues and tried to make them blaspheme. 
and in raging fury against them, I persecuted them even to foreign cities. It's that foreign city part when he went to Damascus, he met the Lord, right? You know, Paul persecuted the church. He, he chased them with a raging fury, he says, and this, this continues through the day. Now, you only have to flip through a, a Voice of the Martyrs magazine to see what the church faces globally. That many think they are in service to God by attacking the church today. Uh, Jesus goes on and they, says this, And they will do these things because they have not known the Father nor me. The world rages against what it does not understand. Uh, you know, you know, you have nothing to fear but fear itself, right? You know, we, we fear the unknown thing, right? The world does not know the Father or the Son. So they strike at them. They attack them. They rage against God because to the world, darkness is natural. And light is unnatural to those that live in darkness. And Jesus continues saying this. But I have said these things to you that when the hour comes, they, you may remember that I told them to you. I did not say these things to you from the beginning because I was with you. And Jesus tells his followers this now because he's told them, right? You know, I'm, I'm leaving. I'm, I'm going away. I'm going to the Father's house to make a place prepared for you. So here now he's making them ready for what is to come in an age full of grace and an age full of rage. I will continue in John 16 uh, verses 5 through 11 if you want to turn back there with me. And John records this 5 through 11. But now I am going... To him who sent me. And none of you asks, why are, where are you going? But because I have said these things to you, sorrow has filled your heart. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper will not come. But if I go, I will send him to you. And when he comes, he will convict the world concerning sin and righteousness and judgment. Concerning sin, because they do not believe in me. Concerning righteousness, because I go to the Father. And you will see me no longer. Concerning judgment, because the ruler of this world has been judged. So Jesus has been with them, right? Been with them for, for three years. He has, he has taught them. He has lived life with them. They have seen his wonders. And now Jesus readies them for what is to come. So that when it comes, they will stand firm. You know, they all need this because Jesus is going back to him who sent him. He's leaving. He's going back to the Father. And, and this time, unlike last time, he says this. No one's asking him, where, where are you going? They, they understand now that, that the Lord is leaving to return to the Father and to prepare a place for them. That is... That is what he said back in John 14. They had the truth, the truth of, of what is coming. 
Well, Jesus goes on in the next verse. He says, but because I have said these things to you, sorrow has filled your heart. Who likes change? You like change in life? Me neither, right? <laughs> Status quo, right? <laughs> it must stay the same. You know, a lot of us don't like it, right? And we always look back to the good old days, right? They're, they're pretty good. Right? That's why they're called the good old days. <laughs> Uphill in the snow both ways, yeah, right? <laughs> um, we remember how life was better how 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 grandiose and that's why nostalgia is like awesome right you know bell-bottom jeans and vinyl records i'm like what what century is it <laughs> yeah but you know we look at that well for the followers of jesus walking and talking and seeing the wonders of the lord right there in the first century oh that's no we're 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 staying here this is, this is the status quo we need. He's right here standing with us, walking with us. He's the life made manifest. They're seeing wonders. They're seeing people being healed, demons being cast out of people. The king was here. It's finally here. What we have been waiting for is here. But now he's telling them, peace out. I'm leaving. Get ready. There's persecution coming. There's all this other stuff coming. My first question would be, why? Because there's so much more to do. There's so much to undo in the world, right? You know, the, the world needs you, Jesus. And we can actually see that the disciples bring this up even after the crucifixion and resurrection of Christ. In Acts, they ask this question in verse uh, one, yeah, Acts 1, 6. So when they had come together, when they'd seen the resurrected Lord, they, they come together and they ask him this question, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom of Israel? The hope of Israel was that the Messiah would come down and he would cut down all the enemies of, of Israel, right? He would, he would set up the kingdom and all those promises, as you can read through all the prophets, would be ratified, would be fulfilled the age would come that the king would return and set up his kingdom. But there's an age that was not seen in Israel's time. Think of it as two mountaintops and one has a cross on it and one has a crown on it. Well, when Israel was looking at it, you, you just saw a crown, but there's actually a, a cross in between. And then there's this valley. I wish I had the map from Bible college. I tried to find a could print it out and hang it up here but that's the church age that we live in this age that we live in you know the term uh the the good word for or the good word <laughs> the the word for it is a dispensation or a period of time where god acts with people like this is now here between the cross and the crown this time of the blessing of Abraham to go to all of the families of the earth has come. And we read this in Genesis 12. Now the Lord said to Abram, who is Abraham, go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to land that I will show you and I will make you a great nation and I will bless you and make your name great 
so that you will be a blessing and I will bless those who bless you and to him who dishonors you I will curse and in you all the families of the earth will be blessed. See, it's, it's interesting in Genesis 12 we, we come to kind of the end of the story of all the nations in Genesis. On Genesis 12, the Lord God calls a man out of the nations to set him apart to bless all of those nations that they would hear and that they would know and that they would understand who Jesus the Messiah is. And that's why even after the disciples ask, you know, is your kingdom coming? Well, he says only the Father knows that time, but you, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria to the ends of the earth all those families. You know, this, this comes to a, a distinction that many wrestle with and, and sometimes question, but that the church is not Israel and Israel is not the church. The church is described in the Bible yet again through all the scripture that it is the bride of Christ. It is different. Israel is God's people, a nation, and their role will continue but right now the church is a witness of who Jesus is and what he has done until rapture, which is our constant hope. And then the time of trouble, Jacob's trouble will come, which is the tribulation. Now Jesus continues in John stating this, Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper will not come. But if I go, I will send him. And Jesus tells the disciples, it is to your advantage. I will send the Spirit. I am I'm leaving, but the helper, the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of truth will come. And he will dwell in every single person that believes upon Jesus and he will teach them and he will give them at least one gift, if not more. That's what he will do for the church. Well, Jesus goes on telling the church what the, what the Holy Spirit will do to the world. And he says this, And when he comes, he will convict the world concerning sin and righteousness and judgment. And the Holy Spirit comes to, to dwell, to, to seal the believer, and to the world he comes to convict. He tells people that they are in the wrong, that they are a sinner, that they are in need of righteousness, and that judgment is on the way. You know, last week we had seen that the Holy Spirit is on this mission and that the church joins that mission, when we, we see that, that mission is, is clarified here, that Jesus tells us what the Holy Spirit does for us and to the world. And we are to join him as witnesses pointing to God. You know, and that, that is such an awesome truth because, you know, we're not alone in that mission at, at any time, even if we're just the only Christian in the workplace, right? We're not alone because the Holy Spirit is is right there with us, dealing with the world around us. He is with us. He is dwelling in us, equipping us, teaching 
us working in us through it all. And Jesus goes on saying concerning sin because they do not believe in me. And this goes all the way back to what Jesus said in John 3. He states this, you know, for, so God, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in me should not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe is condemned already because he has not believed in the only son of God. You know, Jesus, the Holy Spirit, the church tells humanity that without Jesus, we face judgment. Because in rejecting Jesus, we face condemnation for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And the consequence for sin is death. But the free gift of God is Christ Jesus, our Lord. Now Jesus says this next in John 16. It says, concerning righteousness, because I go to the Father and you will see me no longer. Now Jesus alone is the righteous person who was born, who lived under the law, and who went to the Father. And now there is no righteousness in the world apart from Christ, because he alone is the able one. Jesus continues saying concerning judgment, because the ruler of this world is judged. You know, at the, at the cross, many things took place. Jesus, you know, took all of our sin upon himself. All of the wrath of God was expunged upon our Lord. But he also did this. He took all the debt that stood against us and nailed it to the cross. And in becoming sin, we are able to become the righteousness of God. In this, Jesus disarmed the rulers and authorities and put them to open shame, openly triumphing against them. The author of Hebrews put it like this, since therefore the children share in flesh and blood, he himself likewise partook of the same things, that through death he might destroy the one who has the power of death, that is the devil, and deliver all those who thought, who though fear, through the fear of death were subject to lifelong slavery. Jesus took on flesh and blood. He came here born as a babe on mission to destroy death and to take power from the evil one, from the adversary, the devil. And the Lord shames the devil at the cross and delivers humanity from the fear of death and those in slavery to sin. John 16, verses 12 through 15, John goes on. Jesus says this, I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. When the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth, for he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak, and he will declare to you <coughs> the things that are to come. He will glorify me, for he will take what is mine and declare it to you. All that the Father has is mine, therefore I have said that he will take what is mine and declare it to you. 
Now, Jesus had told his followers that the hour is coming. People will come to kill them thinking they are serving God. He told them that it is to their advantage that he goes because the spirit will come. And now he tells them this, I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. Jesus knows his followers' hearts and minds, and you know, in this time and in that time, he knows us. You know, he can see that they're full of sorrow right now and that there are more things to learn, but they will come later. And I think, you know, about the book of Acts and, and entirely actually with, with the Gentiles that are to come to the Lord. You know, that they will be saved apart from the law. And that's a, that's a huge thing that starts in Acts 10. And it brings actually about the first church council in Jerusalem in Acts 15. You know, I think upon all of the letters that we read, all the letters that we read in the New Testament that exposit what Jesus has done upon the cross, that they're about to deal with all those things, but to see it from a different perspective after it has happened, after they have found redemption and freedom in the cross that Christ has died upon. You know, the disciples were about to experience these things, the crowd, the mob of guards coming with Judas at night. They were about to be scattered as Jesus himself was taken and crucified. They were about to experience all of those things. These events were about to unfold, but, but the looking back and, and knowing what happened on that last day would come later. Jesus says this next, when the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth for he will not speak of his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak and he will declare to you the things that are to come. And we see that, that the God of the Bible is a revealing God. He, he doesn't want us waiting around in darkness, but in light. He shows us all. He, he tells us the plans as as Jesus spoke of this in John 15, no longer do I call you servants, for the servant does not know what his master is doing, but I've called you friends. For all that I have heard from my father, I've made known to you. As friends of God, we, we know the plan. We have read it. We can understand it. We can know that his plan comes together because the God of the Bible is the one that keeps his promises and when the Holy Spirit comes to dwell in the church, to empower the church, he will guide the church and he will guide it into all truth. Which brings us the New Testament scripture. It brings us the truth of who God is, of who Christ is. Now please turn in your Bibles with me to Second Peter. Second Peter chapter 1. I'll read verses 16 through 21. Peter says this, <clears throat> For we do not follow clearly devised myths when we have made known to you the power and coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. But we are eyewitnesses of his majesty. For when he received honor and glory from God the Father and the voice was born to him by the majestic glory, this is my beloved Son, 
with whom I am well pleased. We ourselves heard this very voice born from heaven, for we were with him on the holy mountain, and we have the prophetic word more fully confirmed to which you will do well to pay attention as, a lamp, as to a lamp shining in a dark place until the day dawns and the morning star rises in your heart, knowing, first of all, that no prophecy of Scripture comes from someone's own interpretation. For no prophecy was ever produced by the will of man, but men spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. Now Peter says this, that the disciples and himself were not about a myth when they proclaimed the power and the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. No, they were eyewitnesses to his glory, he says. The word was more confirmed, fulfilled in Jesus. Now they were to pay attention to it, not to the, the miraculous, but to, to the scripture, that it had been fulfilled, that it is the truth. That as it has carried out, it's writing as the canon of scripture was, was written, produced, carried along by the Holy Spirit from the author, from Genesis to Revelation, from, from Moses to John, the text of scripture is breathed out by God, inspired word for word. It is God leading us to all truth. You know, we see all the different writing styles. We see all the different occupations of all the writers of the Bible. You know, even from the Gospels, we see that Matthew was a Jew writing to Jews to prove Jesus was king. We see it in, in Luke that, that he was a Gentile doctor, a well-educated Greek, that if you go and read his opening, it is just the most poetic thing amazing gospel opening but all these differences and and the more we see that the whole context of the bible is about god is about sinful humanity and about a rescuer coming and jesus goes on about the holy spirit in john 16 saying he will glorify me for he will take what is mine and declare it to you and the holy spirit will come the helper will come and he will not glorify himself but the son this verse tells us that the evidence of the holy spirit in the church in the ministry in a person is not shown through healings or answered prayer or a good feeling but through glory given to jesus because the holy spirit takes what is jesus's what is the lord's and declares it well, what is the Lord's? You know, that's a good question right there. What is, what is his? Well, the, the Lord's is the truth of Scripture, the truth of, of sin, the truth of, of fallen humanity, the truth of the need for a Savior. That is the greater work that Jesus had even talked about earlier. You know, the Lord said this in John 7, whoever believes in me as Scripture has said, as the scripture has said, out of his heart flows a river of living water. Now this he said about the spirit whom those who, who believed in him were to receive. For as of yet the Holy Spirit had not been given because Jesus was not yet glorified. Now this is the same thing that Jesus talked to about the woman at the well. 
that living water would be given to those that believe in Jesus, that they would never thirst again, that we don't have to run with the world to all these different things to find something that quenches our thirst, but that those that believe in Jesus will never thirst again because a spring of water is in them. Jesus says this lastly, all that the Father has is mine, therefore I say that he will take what is mine and declare it to you. But yet again, we see that beautiful picture of the, the Father, the Son, and the Spirit, not even just creating as we see him in Genesis, but also redeeming as we see in John, all of creation. All authority in heaven and earth is the Lord's. Jesus has overcome and the Holy Spirit declares it. The scripture declares it. Paul says this in Philippians. He says, have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, whom though he was in the form of God, did not account equality, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, and being found in human form. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. And Jesus is our Savior. Jesus is our example. This is how we are to have our mindset that as a body, to be like the Lord, to, to grow up in him, to be built up into him. That even though being God in the beginning, he did not stay in heaven. No, he emptied himself, taking on flesh. He was obedient to the point of death. And God highly exalted him, and by his name, every knee would bow. It is a name that is above old names and every tongue will confess that Jesus is Lord to the glory of God. Now this is the humble servant king that we serve. We are to learn from and follow. Now to, to Jesus, to follow Jesus in any age is to deal with truth, to deal with the reality that is in front of us in this world, including ourselves. We are broken. We are unable to save ourselves. And there is one who is able to save us. And that is Jesus, the Messiah. He is the able one. And what we have seen today is we know, we've seen this, that the hour is coming where people will attack, people will kill, people will persecute the church. The thinking is there that they are on God's side, that this is what God would want. We have seen this, that the helper will come, that he will fulfill, that he will fill all believers. He will seal them. He will show the world that they are in the wrong. And we have seen that the Holy Spirit will not do its own thing, right? But it will be about the glory of Jesus and about declaring the truth that has been revealed in Scripture. What this means is that we know persecution will come. It comes in many forms, 
We see it in the book of Acts. We see it today. It means that we have a helper who is there for us, who will teach us, who will equip us and seal us. And we are guaranteed heaven bound. He sought us, he bought us, and he seals us. It means that no matter what is happening, no matter what happens, we know where we are going. It means that we aren't led into weird things. There's a lot of weird things, right? A lot, a lot, of, a lot of avenues, a lot of dark alleyways that we can walk into through this world. We aren't led into those things by the Holy Spirit. You know, I, I think sometimes it is, along with Jesus, the most abused part of the Trinity by cults or occults or, or movements. And we need, we need to understand who they are. We need to, as we talked about last week, we need to know what the scripture says so we can see and understand that his, his work isn't about wealth, health, or being a vendor. But he is the one that reveals who Jesus is reveals the truth about sin and our need for the savior and a coming and a coming judgment. So how do we how do we apply all of this today? Well, today we we take time to to remember to pray for our persecuted brothers and sisters. You know, today we can we can pick up a map or you can just look at the one on the wall and and pick a country, you know, and pray for them. You know, pick up the special edition of the Voice of the Martyrs, and and you can get the free subscription. They they send it to you, and you can you can know those stories. If you got a Facebook, you can follow Beyond Borders or even Voice of the Martyrs as well, and just know, just just know what is going on. Be informed so we can pray, we can know what's going on in Afghanistan or Haiti, or anywhere else in the world. No, technology is a good and bad thing, but we can we can be informed to know what to take to the throne of grace. And we can also act. We can in that we can we can act. We can bear each other's burdens. We can be in prison with them. The author of Hebrews says it like this: Let us then, with confidence, draw near to the throne of grace, that we may receive mercy and find grace in our time of need. You know, the world is hurting, seeking healing. Our, our, our bodies need it. Our, our nation needs it. The world needs healing. And we have a lot of felt needs that we see throughout the world. But what we truly need in anything that we go through is mercy and grace in that time. And we can, we can seek that. We can pray. We can fellowship with our Father. Let us seek the giver of all those good gifts, of the, the giver who wants to bless us through Christ alone. And let us know that the Holy Spirit is working in us, that he seals us, equips us, and empowers us to go out, that the Holy Spirit dwells in us, and let us, let us be in step with him. Let us not quench him. Now, he is in us. Let us have let us have, let, let him have all of us. <laughs> you know, that the world would know. That the world would know about Christ. That the glory of God would be proclaimed. 
because God is the one who loves the whole world. And, and lastly, uh, about that that weirdness part again, right? You know, we we aren't to be led into any any weirdness. That's kind of the the world the word I came up with. The, the, yeah, the weird the weirdness, the cults, the occult, you know, even the pop culture stuff that we talked about this morning. Let us not be led in to that to these to these movements even within the church body itself that misuse the Holy Spirit. No, we need to know who He is that he will lead us into all truth, the truth about ourselves, the truth about Jesus, his person and work. And that sums it up right there, you know? And I think that's sometimes the problem, right? You know, if, oh, it's all summed up, but, you know, we, we kind of want to add things. Well, we can, you know, put this or that. But let us listen to Jude on that point. It says this, Beloved, although I was very eager to write to you about our common salvation, I found it necessary to write, appealing to you to contend for the faith that was once and for all delivered to the saints. And we see we contend for the faith because it is a set thing. It has been delivered. So we adhere to it, we know it, and we stand in it because it is the truth. And we stand for nothing less or certainly nothing more. Let's uh, close in a word of prayer. Father God, we, we thank you for today. We thank you for the gospel of John. We thank you for your word, the revealed truth uh, that's made more sure. We have a lamp in the darkness that as uh, we seek wisdom and guidance as we seek training the breathed out word of God is is here to reveal to us who you are God we thank you for revelation we thank you for inspiration and interpretation that we can we can understand who you are Lord we thank you for this time uh, to be together, to sing to you, to fellowship with one another, and to lift up our burdens to you, that we can have grace and mercy in our time of need. And we thank you for your saving grace in the Lord Jesus. It's in his name we pray. Amen.